Welcome to Whitestone Podcast from the Whitestone Forum. This podcast is for business and nonprofit leaders like you and me, specifically designed around building, polishing, and leveraging our competencies. Each episode will provide a lens through which ever-growing citizens of God's kingdom can think about very effectively impacting every one of their organizations. For Whitestone Podcast, I'm Kevin Miller. Hey, listen to this. Especially if you're still raising kids or influencing grandchildren or teaching a youth group, if there's one thing that has broadly infected so many Christians in America, it's a misunderstanding of the role of the law of Moses in the Christian's life and how to best think about obedience to God. Here's the deal. Every person is simply unable to keep the law of Moses. God knows that. In fact, the law of Moses does perform a very important function. It points every person to the need for a Savior because every person falls short. Every person except Jesus, that is. Jesus' words are found in Matthew 5.17, where he teaches us that he came to fulfill the law. And he did just that. And aren't we deeply grateful for that? Of course, that's true. Because his sinless life, his death, and his resurrection are exactly what are needed for us to be pardoned for our sins. That's God's gift of grace in action. Still, my experience in teaching Christian students at the university level reveals that many have a bit of a biblically sketchy approach that seems, in turn, to reflect how many modern Christians think. That is, while they may report that grace is the key to Christianity, they still pretty much try to straddle law and grace. They do this by first working diligently to obey the law as they see it, essentially to gain God's approval, then asking for a teeny-weeny bit of that essential grace where they do perceive themselves to fall short. And they often seem more concerned about non-Christians' moral failings than they are about their lack of faith in Jesus. And it's no big surprise that few perceive that as much grace is needed for them as the abortionist needs or the bank robber needs. After all, we Christians are better than that. In fact, when you start poking around on it, a key number of these young Christians innately view that the whole of the Old Testament narrative is underpinned and directed by the law of Moses. So many are often startled to truly realize that the law was given to Moses years, even centuries, after many familiar, faithful Old Testament people were on the scene. Yes, from Enoch to Noah to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob— God's giving of the law of Moses was still far into the future. You know that from Hebrews 11, what's often called the Hall of Faith chapter in the New Testament. Well, that chapter profiles many of these folks very favorably. But it also includes some others who were on the scene after the law of Moses was given. Indeed, in that faith chapter, Moses himself was called out for his faith in several Old Testament events, even regarding happenings before Moses himself was given the law for the Israelites. 
This podcast episode is one in a series about Abraham, a man of great faith in God. No one in the Old Testament was blessed more by God than Abraham, including God's covenant of mind-boggling reach. Indeed, Abraham provides an excellent story of thriving with our God of relationship, our God who values faith, that faith that responds in an occupying fashion, all before the law of Moses was given. Here's how the writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament accounted for Abraham's faith in three short sentences, and I'm quoting, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Unquote. Now this quote from Hebrews 11, 8-10 is from the English Standard Version. And the editors of the ESV labeled the start of Hebrews 11 section with these words, by faith. Similarly, the New International Version, the NIV, labeled the start of Hebrews 11 as faith in action. The New American Standard Version, NAS, labeled it as the triumphs of faith. Indeed, Christians themselves can only triumph for eternity by responding to God's gift of grace via faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That's your personal triumph by faith. Let me ask you a direct question. Have you seen a section of the New Testament that could be labeled the triumphs of Moses' law? Well, hardly, because no eternal triumphs come from every person's deficient compliance with the law of Moses. Hey, if the law of Moses could provide the truly necessary triumphs for humanity, then the cross of Christ was simply not needed. That's right. If the law of Moses was sufficient, then Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was unnecessary, superfluous. But instead of the NIV's faith in action label, how about considering the label law in action? Well, ironically, a couple of passages in the New Testament could be labeled law in action. For example, when the Pharisees were busy condemning others even trying to trap Jesus himself while they were falling short of the very law they were supposedly stewarding for God. But in a very weird but profound sort of way, such Pharisees and others like them were indeed fulfilling Bible truth because the Bible teaches that the law increases sin. Yes, the Bible says that law increases sin. See Romans 5.20, Romans 7.5, and 1 Corinthians 15.56. Now, that's not the ordinary message you hear in church, is it? But that doesn't make it any less true and wonderfully applicable to our lives. The extraordinary liberating truth that was crafted only through 
Jesus' death and resurrection is that born-again Christians are not under the law. They are under grace, Romans 6.14. Now that's amazing grace. So in this context, what does Abraham do for us, for you and for me in this day and age? Well, Abraham also wasn't under the law of Moses either. Again, because that law hadn't yet been given by God. But that didn't stop Abraham from being lauded by the word of God for his obedience. Hey, the first 10 words of Hebrews 11.8 in the ESV are these. And I'm quoting, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go. Unquote. What? Did that say obedience? Isn't obedience all about following the letter of the law of Moses and rule following under civil authorities? Well, yes. But God's emphasis is faith focus. That's because we are destined to fail in keeping the law of Moses. But we definitely can succeed by obeying God by faith, just like Abraham did. That's what the report in the New Testament Bible verse means when it says, quote, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go, unquote. The Old Testament rendering of that story says that Abraham went as the Lord had told him, leaving behind everything familiar to him. In this way, Abraham started actually occupying the promises of God. Yes, obeying by faith, by acting faithfully and holding fast onto God's promises. Abraham is certainly held up by Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament as a shining example of an occupying faith in God's actions and promises. You see, God is like a landlord who has set up a perfect dwelling, say, in the form of a completed action that requires a faith response, like Christ and Him crucified, or in the form of a promise, like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Our response is to be a great tenant in such dwellings, moving in faith to occupy the promises made. That's essentially what Abraham did. He occupied God's promises by leaving his relatives, leaving his homeland, embracing the covenant with God, and offering up his son Isaac. All these were essentially obedience. They are responses in faith, full-fledged occupyings of the promises offered by God. And here's the big picture point for the Christian. Full obedience to the law of Moses is a task that can easily become a foreboding drudgery, something necessary for the willing, but something that can never be correctly fulfilled. But obedience to a promise of God? Now that's something to occupy. This, this is the life of the Christian obediently occupying God's promises by faith, joyfully expecting the fullness of what God has for His child of the covenant. This occupying obedience is one incredible example that Abraham has modeled for us as Christians. Abraham, too, like born-again believers today, was not under the law, 
so he could look at the walk of his ancestor Enoch and the faith of his ancestor Noah, and in so doing, recognize that the promises of God are the wonderful havens for us to occupy obediently, joyfully, expectantly. And this is one key reason why the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote chapter 11, specifically for his Jewish Christian audience, to highlight key examples of occupying obedience in faith from Old Testament characters, whether they occupied the promises of God before or after the law of Moses was given. Like Abraham, this is very personalized to us in every nook and cranny of our lives, where we work, who we see, who or what we steward. God gives us amazing promises, and our occupying joyful obedience to those promises is exactly what our loving Father rejoices in. How amazing. How's your occupying? Thank you for listening to Whitestone Podcast. Visit our website, whitestone.org, for more real-world equipping. There you'll find uncommon video teachings, application and action questions for this podcast episode, and more. Also, check out our unique downloadable resources for group meetups. That's whitestone.org. I'm Kevin Miller.